1: the podcast to be named later. I am Chris Willis. I'm joined tonight by my good friend Stephen Talbert. Stephen, how are you doing?
0: What's up, Chris? It's good to do it. Another one of these with you. Episode 45. It's wild that we've already done this many. We're closing in on on 50 and it seems like we just started doing these not too long ago, but yeah, teams hot. It's a good good stretch of baseball we're watching right now. So it's always fun to do these with you, buddy.
1: Yeah, it's always fun to get on one of these. You know, when you're when the Braves are on a winning streak and and they they tied a season high today with a of eight eight straight wins with a, a five one win over the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, you know, just uh, let's hit this series just to recap it to start with. I mean, we saw a lot of good things here. We knew the month of uh, June was going to be a little bit lighter from a schedule standpoint uh, than what we saw in May. But, you know, I think the Braves have made a, a statement when they when they needed to. I mean, they've taken care of the teams they're supposed to beat. They've gone head-to-head with the Mets and the Phillies and and come out on the other side of it. You know, I think the biggest thing, Tuesday they won 4-2 to Tuesday. Spencer Strider looked like Spencer Strider again. He did give up eight hits but limited the damage to one run. Struck out nine. The velo was up. I believe he hit 100 mile per hour for the first time all season. Uh, you know they they trailed uh, going into the fifth inning. Then the offense came alive late. Austin Riley and Matt Olson both homered. You know what was your? do you do you have any uh, takeaways from that first game of the series? You know I thought it was I thought it was a pretty good Phillies crowd. Honestly, you know and it, was, uh, it was a it was pretty festive atmosphere. Ranger Suarez pitched well. Uh, but you know the Braves again went into opposing team's ballpark and came out with a win.
0: Yeah, I mean Spencer was the the story, like you just said. I mean, you know, I don't think we were to the point where we were worried about him necessarily, but it was like it it was really good to see a really strong outing. And you know, this was the team that kind of beat him up in the playoffs, and so there was always he's actually pitched really well against the Phillies in his career overall, but. You know, obviously the the what happened last October is the thing that kind of people remember. So, you know, and and going into that ballpark, the Phillies had been hot. The Phillies, I think, had won eight straight coming into that game, and so the Braves and the Phillies are two of the hottest teams in baseball. And and so, yeah, it was really good to see. And like you said, he gave up um, he gave up eight hits, but they were I think seven of them were singles, um, and those aren't going to beat you in that ballpark. But his average velo that night was. Um, I think it was like the highest of his career. I think, or highest of the year. I think it was like like ninety seven point eight or something like that for the game, which is obviously you know like you said he hit hundred for the first time all year. And that you know that was the guy we watched pretty much all of last year, and so it was really good to see. You know the Phillies pitched well too. The Phillies pitched well in both games. Suarez and Nola both are really good for are through really well for the Phillies. But yeah, it was a really good game. Offense came late. Um, it was good to see Austin get a homer. You know Austin has been probably the. You know, as hot as the Braves' offense has been, Austin's probably been the one that's been the coldest. And so, you know, uh, having him hit a home run, obviously Matt hit one. And, uh, yeah, good win. And and I think that was the seventh in a row. And then tonight today was the eighth. I think I've got that right. So, yeah, it was a really good win on Tuesday.
1: Yeah, and I, and I forgot to mention this uh, before we even started talking about it. The Braves and, and the Phillies both came into the series having won six straight and 13 of 15. So you know yeah. the phil the Phillies were playing well. Uh, I mean both yeah. both teams came in playing well, and that's what gave it that little bit of a showdown feel. Wednesday was rain out all the way around. Uh, we waited what two hours without an update. You know it was pretty With zero zero updates <laughs> zero updates, uh, which is always fun. Uh, but they ended up banging that, and that's going to be made up as a uh, doubleheader in September on September 11th, I believe. Braves juggled the rotation a little bit. AJ Smith Shaver was supposed to start Wednesday night. They pushed him back to Friday's series opener in Cincinnati, which we're going to talk about at the end of this podcast. But Bryce Elder, uh they they opted to stick with Bryce Elder for Thursday. Thursday's game and, you know, I think you and I last week we talked a little bit about some regression. Um, you know, Elder's been operating with a a sterling ERA, but with a FIP that's been about a 1 point higher than his era all season uh but he was lights out again i mean seven innings pitched three hits two walks six k's i think what the biggest thing i get from him is just the poise on the mound it, it's like he he's just a surgeon out there in a lot of ways and i thought it was i thought it was notable at jeff Francoeur pointed this out on the podcast but late in that game you know it's zero zero and he get fell behind bryce harper and just basically pitched around him and and then goes and gets, uh, you know, just goes and attacks real Muto, and he's not going to give him a cookie at that point, you know, with an opportunity to win a game. And it's just, you know, he just he just does this. I mean, he's not overpowering, but the changeup and the slider are effective. And his, and when he's got that sinker going, he's just really really hard to elevate. But I I was really impressed with the way he pitched today.
0: Yep, a ton more ground balls. You know, that's kind of been his been his thing. He had a sixty percent ground ball rate today he's up to 57% for the, for the year. So, you know, that obviously helps his cause quite a bit because he doesn't strike a ton of guys out. You know, he's got, I think he's got seven, 7.7 K per nine, which is on the lower end for, you know, a starting pitcher in, in, modern baseball. But you know, when you hit the, when you get the ball on the ground um, good things happen generally, you know, not always, but generally, but again, I mean, I, I'll say this all year, I guess, but, this start doesn't change my, this start doesn't change my overall opinion of Bryce. I think Bryce is a really good starter. He can be a a major league rotation starter for a championship level team, which is a compliment. Uh, but I I don't think he's a two four. You know he's got a two point four ERA for the season. I don't think he's that guy. I don't think he's a two four ERA guy. I think he's probably more of a three four three five ERA guy. I do think the numbers will eventually bear that out. Um, You know, he's not going to run. He's not going to strand 85% of his his base runners all year like he has to this point. But, you know, I said this on the solo pod I did a few weeks ago. But, you know, even if it does regress, the Braves have banked these wins. Like they've banked these games, you know, when, when Max was out, when Kyle was out, the Braves desperately needed somebody to come in and step up. And he has done that. And, you know, tenfold, I mean, way more than anybody could have ever hoped. So even if it does regress and it's not like a three and a half year is a bad starter, but, you know, even if it does regress, the Braves have already banked these wins. And, and this stretch of baseball he's given them is, I mean, he's, you know, if it wasn't for Acuna, you could argue Bryce Elder has been the first half MVP for the team with as much injuries, you know, as many injuries of it as they've had to the rotation and what he's given them on a night in night out basis um it's been incredible and if it wasn't for what Ronnie was doing overall I think I'd probably pick Elder to be my my first half MVP
1: yeah and I mean I think that's a that's a worthy uh pick and I mean you know the all-star voting announcement was uh first round of all-star voting was uh, released tonight and obviously you know the reserves and the pitching staffs will be uh will be answered what down the road and we'll be talking about it. But I mean, I don't see, I mean, I think right now with his performance, I think Bryce Elder is an all-star and, uh, you know, I think he needs to be there and I'm, I'm sure we'll talk more about that down the road, but you know, I mean, where would they be right now without him? I mean, you know, you, you keep forgetting that, Opening, He's pitched opening day at Gwinnett, you know, and, I mean, in the spring, he was sent down when Ian Anderson was sent down, you know, and nobody really paid that much attention to it. I mean, he had been okay in the spring, but he wasn't great. And for him to come up and fill this hole the way he has, I mean, it's it's been huge, and it's been a huge part of the uh, this team's start this season because I just don't see how they could have overcome losing Max Fried and Kyle Wright like they have without the performance the elders given them. You know, talking about today's game, too, as good as the offense has been of late, they struggled a little bit today in, in runners in scoring position. Uh, the Phillies got a great start from Aaron Nola, but this game was scoreless after nine innings. I know, I think I, I wrote it down. Um, Ozzy Albies had two instances, I believe, with a runner at third and less than two outs, and the Braves couldn't get them on. But the Braves broke out for five runs in the top of the 10th. It was a pretty wild sequence. Michael Harris singled through the. Uh, drawn in infield, and then uh, a two-run error on Kyle Schwarber that uh, was just—I don't know, you know. I mean, it was it, that's that's the kind of thing. I mean, Schwarber gives you uh, good offense, a lot of home runs, uh, but his defense in left uh, today was kind of—you well, could see just how how poor a defender he was. And then uh, right after that, uh, Marcelo Zuna uh, put the nail in the coffin with a two-run home run. what do you think about that tenth inning?
0: Well, if you go by the official score, that wasn't an error. That was actually a hit for Austin Riley. Which, if you actually think that was a hit, I had people. I tweeted that I was like, "How in the world is that considered a hit?" And I had like people like saying, "Well, he had to dive, so that you know that's probably a hit." And I'm like, he didn't have to die. Like he like did a, like a half slide at the end where he could have just stayed on his feet and drop and just dropped it. I mean that was. That was an error. I I, I have no idea what's happening with the official scoring of that play. I mean, Austin will take it, and the Braves will take the the hit with runners at scoring position because they've been struggling in that category all year. But I mean, come on, that was a that was a clear two base error, and it was the that was the third out of the inning, I believe. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. They so, would
1: have headed to the bottom half, you know, with just one run in. And, yeah, one run. You know, and, I mean, maybe, and just the ghost run. Right. Basically, your you know your goal was always to score two in that situation because the ghost runner is basically giving you one anyway. Right. So yeah, that would have been huge. And the Phillies ended up scoring in the bottom half you know, so it would have right. really changed the game. I didn't realize that they gave him a hit on that. That's just, that's that's atrocious. I mean, that was, that's, that was. As, as, I mean,
0: I'm, lo- I'm looking at the box score right now. It, says, yeah. it has the Phillies with zero errors.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, that was a, that, that was crazy. It did flash. I was on the MLB app and it did fl- initially flash up error uh, and I didn't go back and check. So, you know, that one's on me, but I can, I cannot believe that. I mean, a good outfielder doesn't have to die for that. A good outfielder runs under that snags it and keeps going to the dugout so that was that's wild
0: and well and the pitcher now that reliever gets four earned runs charged to his ledger instead of zero which it would have been if that was correctly called an error so i don't i I know there's an appeals process i'm guessing that pitcher is going to appeal that because that's a huge like four earned runs for a reliever is a huge bump in era yeah he's got an 864 era now because all four of those runs are considered earned so yeah, that was wild. But yeah, big win, obviously. I mean, the the offense for the first time in a while had a kind of a slow day and then and then broke out and took advantage of an error, which Philly would you know, Philadelphia usually give you at least one or two errors a game. So they did and at a bad time and, and then Marcel came up and, and made him pay the ultimate price for it. And um yeah, big win. And now going into a really big series with Cincinnati.
1: I tell you where we're gonna take a break right now and we'll come back and, you know, get ready for that uh series against the Reds. Before we get to that series with the Reds, uh, a couple of couple of newsy items we want to talk about uh, a little bit before we get there. Uh, AJ Minter had another scoreless inning today. I believe he struck out the side. Actually, uh, you remember early in the season when Minter was struggling. He, you know, he had the, an ERA nearly at eight, even though his FIP was uh, a good bit lower. Uh, everybody was panicking. But he's slowly and steadily now looking more like A.J. He's uh, Over his last 13 appearances, he's allowed two hits, one run, and has 14 strikeouts. Uh, that's much more like what we like to see. And, I mean, when you look down there, I mean, Iglesias has had a couple of bumps in the road. Uh, Nick Anderson's had a couple of bumps in the road. It's just really big, I think, to see A.J. Menner, you know, starting to look like the guy that we had last year.
0: And it's another example of the importance of – of not just looking at the results but looking at the peripheral stuff and the batted ball stuff and all the, the raw data because oftentimes that stuff gives you a better indication of what's coming than just the results do. Um, and that's also a cautionary tale about Bryce Elder, but that's a separate topic. Um, but, yeah, the it's been really good to see A.J. bounce back the way he has. It's really just getting better results. I, I I've I've looked at his numbers probably every other day for the last month. And, I, and I've said this consistently, but there's really no difference in what he's doing this year and doing last year, except this year, you know, opponents who had like a 410 batting average on balls and play against him. And, you know, that wasn't going to last. That was never going to last. And and obviously it's start to come down and we've seen the regression to the mean and we've seen what, you know, we all expected out of AJ and that's being one of the best relievers in baseball. And, and that's what he's been for the last couple of weeks. And, you know, it's been huge. The Braves bullpen has been huge in June you know they had that one bad game in Detroit where they gave away a, a four-run lead in the last couple of innings in Detroit, but other than that, they've been nails for the entire month. Uh, I think I think they lead the league in ERA in June. The bullpen does so, and AJ's is a big part of that. And so, you know, um, I'm really happy for him. I'm glad he's getting better results. He he's deserved better results uh, all year, and he's finally getting them. So, and it's it's a huge it's huge for the team. I mean, just massive that they now have kind of their normal A.J. Minter back.
1: Yeah, he he talked to our our friend uh, Grant McCauley a, a couple of weeks back and, you know, Grant asked him about his struggles and, I mean, he really couldn't just put his finger on anything. He, you know, I think the only thing he really said was he just thought, you know, he, he might have not been locating his cutter quite like he wanted to be. So, I mean, I think it just speaks to, I mean, it's how volatile relievers can be and, uh, you know, it can, it can change on a dime. But, you know he he has looked more more and more like himself today and i mean he went through three pretty good hitters with the phillies today so you know that's that's big getting him back uh getting him back performing at a high level and i think you know i really like i mean he's capable of closing games you know i, I don't want to get into the you know you and i have talked a lot about what we think about the save stat and everything but i do think I don't know what it is, but I mean, I really like being able to use him in the seventh or eighth inning, depending on what the situation is, uh, just because it, it seems like it's, he's, he's excelled at that role. And, uh, you know, it's just really big to have him down there in that bullpen. Um, I've, coming into the week, probably the biggest news story was Sean Murphy, who uh, tweaked a hamstring in Sunday's win over Colorado, hit one off the wall. You could see him kind of pull up, coming around first base, um, left the game. Did not did not go on the injured list. The Braves did call up Chadwick Trump and uh, de- designated Charlie Culberson for assignment. They're going with three catchers right now. I thought it was pretty big that uh, Murphy was able to avoid the IL. He's he was seen on the field in in this in Philadelphia working out before the games. Actually, did pinch hit Wednesday. Um, Brian Snicker said after the game that he won't catch Friday. But you know the fact that he's not on the injured list means you know he could probably be back at some point this as soon as this weekend. Thought that was pretty big. Again, you know, we've talked about the catcher depth, uh, depth with uh, Travis Darno and how big that is because uh, Murphy out and uh, and all. You know, that could be that could be pretty damaging. But it's nice to be have a guy to stick in there. But I thought it was pretty big that Murphy was able to avoid the injured list.
0: Oh yeah, it was huge. I mean, your catcher depth is always a is a very fragile thing. You are just one one pitch away from you know having a ton of depth and then having no depth. And the Braves went through that. Either last year, or the year before, I can't remember. If it was two years ago, 2021. Yeah, where, yeah. where they had they, they ended up signing like five different veteran catchers for just to try to piece it together. And so, yeah, it's one of those things that can go away really quickly. But I mean, how massive is it to have Travis Darnot when when Murphy goes down? And but you know, only having him down for a few days. I mean, Murphy's been. We knew Sean Murphy was good. Like you and I talked about it a lot over the off season. We tried to tell people like how good this guy is. I I, I think even for our standards, he's probably exceeded expectations for how good he's been. And so he's a vital part of everything the Braves do. And and so not having to miss him for for 10 days is is obviously big. And he pinch hit today. And, you know, it is interesting. I have been thinking about this Sean Murphy stuff and, and, you know, the, the bench and you know, the Braves obviously have two catchers up right now, and, and they don't have a backup shortstop. And I, I've been – this is probably a, a conversation for a different day, maybe even an article, but, you know, what the Braves do with Sam Hilliard and should they maybe think about, you know, replacing him with somebody who can play short, maybe leave three catchers up? I don't know. The, the end of the bench is always interesting because you don't really need that last bench spot, if we're being honest, but you have to have it by rule. So I am curious to see what they do. You know, Sam Hilliard's pretty much been relegated to, to – pinch hitting and or pinch running and and defensive replacing and and the Braves don't do a ton of either of those anyways so but it is huge to have Murphy stay off the IL that means you know he can potentially catch in the red series and they're going to be careful with him which they should be and when you have Darneau obviously it's a it's a big um, it's a big safety blanket to have but um, yeah huge huge that they don't have to IL him because if they IL him then if it's too long, then you got to do a rehab assignment. It can be a whole thing. So, um, yeah, really, really good news that he's he's going to avoid it.
1: And I think it was big, you know, that he felt something and just shut it down right when he did. Because I mean, he could, yeah. if he keeps running to seconds, you know, you never know. And I mean, if a hamstring injury is not a ten day injury, I mean, in most cases, you know, you're you're probably right. looking at two or three weeks. You know, for yeah. if, for one, if he had really, you know, if he had really uh, uh, tweaked it um, or strain you know, it had a strain. So, you know, just really huge that he's not even going to miss any time. Braves aren't going to rush him back, and they sure aren't going to rush him back as long as they're winning games every single day. So, uh, yeah. you know, what we we were, I think it was, uh, I think Mark Bowman uh, reported on Twitter today that the plan originally was for Chad what, Trump to uh, catch Wednesday. I mean, uh, today Thursday but Wednesday was rained out so they went ahead with uh, Travis Darno there so you know they're not afraid to use Trump uh but you just the offensive drop off is is pretty significant um you know when you go to him it's good to have that third catcher that you trust and it does seem like they trust him enough to bring him up and actually let him play at some point but uh, like you said too it, it is going to be fascinating cuz now i don't think we've heard if if I'm sure Charlie Culberson's going to clear waivers. We haven't heard if he's going to accept the assignment to Gwinnett. That should be coming pretty quick, I think. And then, um, you know, but it'll be interesting to see who they call up for an infielder. Uh, But once they they go back to two catchers because – you know, I mean, area uh, Adrianza is still on the injured list and probably not going to be back anytime soon. He's on 60 days. So uh, they did claim Lucas Williams a few weeks ago from the Dodgers. He's got some infield experience, so it'll be interesting to see what they do. But like you said, that's something we'll, we'll probably be able to touch on next week because I'm, I'm guessing that they'll be back down to two catchers. Once Murphy's back, a couple more injury updates. And this one was a big one. Honestly, uh, Max free Dylan Lee are both throwing full bullpens, which was big. They, been doing the short box thing which was basically pitching off the mound but with the catcher moved up about 15 uh 15 feet didn't doesn't change the timeline for freed he's still expected back after the all-star break lee should be ahead of schedule ahead of that schedule just because he doesn't have to build up you know to throw a, a starter's workload and Kobe allard started a rehab assignment but uh you know, I always, I'm still holding my breath with Max Freed. I think it's good. You know, every time he progresses, uh, he should be facing hitters soon. Uh, with that type of injury, you know, you just hope there's not anything else in there. A forearm injury, you know, usually foreshadows something with the elbow. You know, hopefully that's not the case. Uh, but, man, what a what a lift that could be if they could get him back after the after the All-Star break.
0: Yeah, and I was looking today because, you know, in my mind, I just kept thinking, wow, the All-Star break's still a few weeks away. It's only f- – the Braves only have 15 games left in the first half until the All-Star break. And so, you know, they've they've done an incredible job kind of weathering the storm for the last kind of month and a half since since Max went out. And, and they've only got 15 days until the All-Star break. And, you know, hopefully he comes back kind of shortly after that. And, and man, what a boost that would be, you know, to have your – I mean, this guy came in second in the Cy Young last year. I mean, he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. And the Braves have essentially played – most of the year without him and Kyle Wright as well. So yeah, huge, huge update that he's throwing bullpens. Um, you know, th- this is kind of the the critical part of the 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 rehab. You know, the hope was if they shut him down and then let him rest and then build him back up. That once they build him back up, the pain in the forearm is gone, which is why he went on the IL to begin with. So this is kind of the part where we'll learn if that pain is gone. You know, after he's pitched, you know, full full go to hitters a few times and then, you know, the next day, the next day, how does the forearm feel, right? That's kind of the, that's going to be the critical part. So we're kind of to the critical stage of, of his coming back is now that he's throwing again, is that forearm pain still there or is, is it subsided? Is it, is it better? And, and then he's kind of a green light to go. So that'll be the critical part, but yeah, huge news that he's, he's throwing bullpen.
1: Yeah. And just to, just to clarify on that, you know, I'm holding my breath a little bit, but I mean, everything's been positive. All the news we've heard in regards to Freed has been positive so far. And, I mean, if he's still having pain – you know, he wouldn't have progressed to throwing a full bullpen. So, you know, he seems to be checking the boxes off every, every step of the way. But, you know, he's still got – once he starts – like you said, once he starts throwing full bore facing hitters, you know, that's when we should have some sense of it. Um, you know, also, Kobe Allard, I think a lot of people forgot that uh, the Braves ended up – had him back on the roster. Uh, you know, he got, suffered an oblique injury in, uh, in the spring. But, you know, he's I think he threw four innings at Gwinnett earlier this week. You know, he's coming along. It would be one of those situations that if, if Jared Schuster, A.J. smith Shaver, somebody struggled, had a rough stretch of of, of of starts, you know, Kobe Allard might be the next guy up. Because if I'm not mistaken, Dylan Dodd's already been up and down three times. And, uh, you know, there's a maximum of five. So, you know, Allard, if once Allard's healthy, you know, you could see him in a long relief role or making a spot start here or there. And, uh, you know, a veteran, you know, another guy that's not seen a ton of success at the major league level, but, you know, a guy that has started games and, uh, you know, and that's that experience is, is pretty valuable.
0: Yeah. I mean, just on talent level at this point in their careers, there's probably not a huge difference from like Jared Schuster to Colby Allard, Dylan Dodd, like they're all kind of the same level, right? So it's just another depth piece and that might sound trivial, but it's not. I mean, we've seen how quickly your rotation depth can get tested and. You know, you have one guy that comes up, and you know he's about to start, and you know he pulls something or feels something, and and has to be shut down for a couple of weeks. You know, it's just nice to have options, and options mean everything, and and it really, and like you said, the Braves have already kind of called up Schuster and Dodd, and and a bunch of these guys three or four times, and and there's a max of five in a season before uh, the guy gets put on, I think waivers, if right. you put him more than five times. So, yeah, it's big. Obviously, Colby's got plenty of options left for the year so um yeah not a huge piece but it's not unimportant it's it's having minor league depth in your rotation is a big deal and and Braves fans should know firsthand after after what we've seen the, the last couple months
1: yeah but I mean before we move on to our next segment let's look at the NL East as a whole real quick um you know the Braves are forty-eight and twenty-six now, twenty-two games over five hundred. That's a season high. They tied their season high winning streak with eight straight. Fifteen and three in June. It seems like June's been the moving month for the Braves the last couple of years, and uh, you know I think this is significant. We knew the schedule was was down a little bit this month, but they're five and zero against the Mets and the Phillies. You know m- the Marlins are forty-two and thirty-three. They're six and a half back, pending the outcome of Thursday uh, tonight's game in Pittsburgh. But they're still running a negative run differential. It's come down a lot. They've played well. I probably uh, shouldn't be overlooking them as much as I have been. The pitching's good. I'm not sold on the offense, the offensive approach. I, I feel a lot about their offensive approach the same way I felt about the Mets last year. But you know, the Marlins here they are. I mean, they're they're nine games over 500 entering Thursday. Uh, they have lost a couple, two straight. Uh Luis Arez is uh chasing four hundred, which is unbelievable. They're fixing to get Jazz Chisholm back. It, it looks like, even though uh Jazz wasn't playing too great when he got went on the I. L. Jorge Soler, you know, he's played he he's providing a little bit of punch for that lineup. But, you know, I think the Marlins are that classic team that they need to go out at the trade deadline and and shore up some stuff to really uh chase that wild card spot. And I think it'll be interesting to see a how much salary they're willing to add and you know what they're willing to part with uh, you know to make it happen
0: yeah i mean listen maybe it's the wrong thing to do but i'm still sleeping on the Miami Marlins i i'm not i'm not sold like maybe i'm wrong maybe they're really good but i i am not a believer yet they've scored the second fewest runs in the national league this year the second fewest runs like, they're winning a ton of one-run games. I'm just, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Maybe I am. But I, the Braves are, I think the Braves are head and shoulders above everybody else in the division. I think, eventually, I think the Phillies will probably be the second-best team in the division. I don't, I, you know, um, just on talent level, I think the Phillies are probably the most talented other team in the East besides the Braves. The Mets, you know, what can you say about the Mets? I mean, they're, they're pitch, they their pitching is just so bad. Like, Verlander and Scherzer have clearly, you know, father time has kind of clearly caught up to them. They don't have the depth they had last year to make up for it. They don't have Edwin Diaz at the end of their bullpen like they had last year to close games. They just don't have the pitching, and their offense isn't good enough to carry their pitching staff. Their offense is just kind of average at best. It'll have good games, but they'll also have pretty severe droughts. So, yeah, I think the Phillies are the second-best team, but I'm not sure there's another really, really good team in this division. Maybe I'm wrong about Miami if I am then I'll I'll eat the crow at the end of the year but when you score so few runs and you play so many close games at some point you're going to go through like a you know a stretch where you lose you know, fifteen out of twenty games or something like that, and I think that's coming from Miami at some point. And they can't beat the Braves, and that's a big deal for them, obviously. When you're when that's the team ahead of you in the division, so. But I might be wrong. We'll see. We'll see how it plays out. But yeah, the Braves are dominating this division right now, so it's good to see.
1: Yeah, the Phillies are thirty-eight and thirty-six now after this uh, after this two-game uh, sweep. They're ten back. They are seven and three over the last ten. I agree with you. This is still the team that I kind of look at and think, man, you know, if you get in a short series with them they're capable of of beating you just because they've got guys like Bryce Harper they've got guys like Trey Turner I know Turner's not played well but I you know again uh, some of the same flaws I thought their bullpen looked really good today I mean they brought in Soto throwing 101 they brought in Alvarado throwing 100 Craig Kimbrell looked like vintage Craig Kimbrell you know but then you know and the the thing in the 10th happened and you know that defense has just has been the same all the I I know Trey Turner probably helps helps a lot from where they were last year but you know you look at that outfield defense and I mean you're basically playing two DHs in the corners and um you know Marsh and and Christian Pache cannot cover all of that and uh, you know it hurt them today it almost it may have actually cost them a win you know when it comes right down to it so uh but yeah the Mets I mean the thing thing I wanted to ask you about this and I read this article I read an article earlier this week you know if they continue to flounder the smart thing for them to do is to probably sell but after the off season they had i just can't see it happening you know i don't know they don't really want to trade any of their prospects which i think is smart they've been really careful you know in, in protecting a lot of those guys but you know this this roster's not getting any younger and you know if you're you find yourself 14 games out you know at this time next month then you know you probably need to think about flipping some guys you know the, some of the guys that you have and uh, but you know i mean then at the same time are you going to sell after spending what what was it 400 something million committing to 400 something million this past offseason that's just that's just a wild turn of events
0: well what's crazy about the mets is like they've spent all this money but like they don't have any like they don't have any real ad, like who are you going to sell like who who on that roster is of positive value relative to their contract that is available. Like they're not gonna they're not gonna trade Alonzo, obviously. They're you know they probably they couldn't trade Lindor if they wanted to not with that contract. And then I like, you know, Scherzer and Verlander are, are untouchable with those contracts they signed. The rest of their starters have been awful. Their bullpen is they've probably got like one or two bullpen pieces maybe that you could sell. Yeah, the article the article for.
1: I read was basically you know you've got Robertson and Ottavino out of the bullpen possibly yeah. Tommy Pham. Mark Canna, um, uh, maybe you know because he's on a. I think his deal's up at the end of the year. I don't think yeah. anybody would take Starling Starling Marte with the the couple of years that he's. Uh, you know, I, when they signed him, I thought it was a great signing, but I thought they signed him for a year or two years longer than they probably should have. Um, I don't see him selling. You know, I, I really don't. I wouldn't be surprised to see them start to play a little bit better. You know, I thought they overachieved last year. I think they've almost underachieved a little bit this time. You know, I don't think they're as bad as their record is right now. Uh, but, man, it's a mess. And, I mean, they went – you know, they went – I think they lost two out of three to the Cardinals. And, I mean, the Cardinals were uh, probably a bigger dumpster fire than they were at the time, you know, they those two teams met. So, you know, it's just a, it's just a wild situation when you look at these NLE standings. I mean, for the last – I know for the last three years we kind of thought this was going to be the best division in baseball, and it's, you know, at the end of the day, maybe it was a little bit last year with 200-win teams. But, you know, you, it seems like too all, all too often we've looked, and, you know, two two of the teams have, have just underachieved. And, I mean, I think that's where you're at when you look at the Phillies and the Mets right now.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, the Mets – well, you know, you know you're know, you right, the Phillies too. They've definitely – lower than what they thought they would be coming into the year, especially with the the money they committed in the offseason to Turner and, you know, Walker and those guys. So, yeah, no, I think that's fair. I mean, the the Mets are one of the biggest disappointments in baseball. Like you said, the Padres and the Cardinals probably right there with them. But, yeah, it has been weird. Like, we thought this division would be a murderer's row. Um, It's definitely got the potential to be, and I still think – I still believe in the Phillies probably a little bit more than most people. I said this again. I said this last year, too. I just – their talent scares me, and so I'm still a little bit worried about the Phillies, but, yeah, it's been a disappointing division. I I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, the Marlins have played way over their head, and maybe I'm still the low man on the Marlins, and and I'm an idiot for it. But, yeah, I I, I agree with you. And, you know, the Braves are just – they're just – dump trucking this division at the moment and you know we, we've seen it change we've seen it flip so we're not you know we're not gonna call anything here on this podcast but yeah they're they're crushing this division right now and it's been fun to watch and you know obviously like you said they went 5-0 and against the Mets and the Phillies this month and, and one of the games got rained out so um, and they played really well against Miami and Washington overall so it's been yeah it's been huge
1: yeah and I mean last point on this, and you're you're right, we're not gonna give anybody a sound bite to to record and play back to us um right here because we've seen this flip. I mean we've seen the braves yep. come back from ten but I, uh, ten games back and you know and and be under five hundred and 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 then you know make the playoffs and and do damage once they got there but here's the here's one thing that's different this time you do not have all those games head to head at the end of the season, so yeah. you know a ten game lead this year is hits a little different than a 10-game lead last year. And, uh, you know, if the Braves hadn't had all those head-to-head games with the Mets coming up at the end of the last season, there's no way they run them down. You know, I mean, they, they played unbelievably down the stretch, but they still, when it came, you know, when it was time to play the Mets, you know, they, they handled – they took care of business, and that's how they were able to lead, uh, to uh, narrow that lead down. But, I mean, you know, with the with the balanced schedule now – you know, you're not playing each other 19 times, so you know that's why I think it was so important to get off a to get off to a good start, and then you know to I think the Braves are something like they're 19 and six or something against the NL East. Man, when you when you can throw up something like that, you know it's just uh, it's just going to be hard to uh, you know it's really hard really be hard to catch them. You know when they're playing like that.
0: Let Let me ask you a question real quick, All right. and Chris doesn't know this is coming. So, um, but so the Braves have scored. Four hundred and four runs this year. Okay. Four hundred and four. And this this is not counting today, so I guess four hundred and nine now. So four hundred and nine runs this year, the Braves have scored. Who do you think is in second place in the division in runs scored?
1: Oh I would probably I mean if I had to guess, I'd say the Phillies.
0: And how many and and how far how far back do you think
1: they're Oh are? probably a good probably um good eighty runs maybe.
0: Yeah. So the Mets so the Braves have four hundred and nine. The Mets are the Mets are in second oh, okay. place at three thirty seven. Okay. So they are what is that? Seventy runs back of the Braves. How many runs the Braves have scored? So the offense is it's really what it comes down to, honestly. The Mets well, the Mets are more about pitching, but the Phillies and the, the the Marlins, it's really more about offense for them and how, how little offense they've had. So I mean the Mets are the Phillies could have scored literally one run today anywhere in nine innings and won the game.
1: Right. All right, we'll go to break right there, and then we'll come back and talk about this weekend. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'll admit, when we looked at this road trip, you know, I, all my focus was on this Phillies team uh, and, uh, you know, I don't really, the Reds were kind of scuffling around, but, you know, here we are, the Reds have won 11 straight games and have vaulted for, I think, from fourth place in the NL Central to first place. Uh, they're 14 and six in June, you know, which is comparable to the Braves. Uh, they're four, only 40 and 35, but they've been a different ball club of late. I mean, you've started to see them bring up a lot of young guys. Ellie Dale Cruz is is one, Uh, you know, the pitching staff. There's still some question marks there. Uh, they've, They're they dealing with some injuries to Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, uh, but those guys should be back at some point. But, you know, I think this is a great story. This is a young ball club and they're letting their kids play. I mean, they've Designated for Will Will Myers for assignment earlier this week, just because they didn't have room for him. I mean, he was underperforming, and you know they weren't they weren't going to block their young guys. And that's what I think that to me, there's something refreshing about that. I think what what will be interesting to see is is how aggressive they are at the trade deadline if they're still in this. Uh, but there's a renewed, I mean, a renewed excitement about this Reds team. Now, I think, you know, you need to look at this 11-game game winning streak, came against the Cardinals, Royals, Astros, and Rockies. But, you know, it's the end of the day, as the Braves have shown. You know, you've got to beat the teams you're supposed to beat. And uh, so, you know, I'm pretty excited about this series. I'm pretty excited to see – to see the Reds and to see um, you know how the Braves perform, how they measure up to the Braves because uh, you know Atlanta swept them in a three game series back in April in three one run games, but I feel like these both these ball clubs are way different now than they were when we saw each other back in April.
0: Yeah, this will be fun. This will be you know I'm sure I'm sure Cincinnati fans and even probably some players are. are are kind of viewing this as a measuring stick series, right, to see how how good they are, how close they are. You know, the best team in the National League is coming into town and and the hottest, you know, one of the hottest offenses in baseball. Um, The Reds have some pitching problems, as you said. I didn't realize this. The Reds have given up the most runs out of any team in that division this year. Um, I didn't really – I don't think I knew that. So the Reds have obviously got some pitching stuff they're working out. They've called up a bunch of their young position player prospects, like you just said. So they've got some excitement. Obviously, everybody will see Ellie De La Cruz. Um, he's gotten off to a kind of a it's been a hot start, but it's been kind of a weird start. We'll probably talk more about that later. But yeah, it's it, this will be a fun series. Um, I'm I'm excited to see this team. It's good that the Reds are playing good baseball. It feels like it's been a long time. I know they had that one like I think 2020 year with Trevor Bauer where they made the playoff. Yeah, because the Braves beat him in the playoffs right. that year. That was kind of, that's, I don't know. I don't really count that, I guess. But other than that, it seems like the Reds just kind of always suck. And so it's good that they're winning. That's a good baseball town. That's got a ton of history. And listen, that division, their their whole division is just a dumpster fire. So that, you know, 85 wins might win that division. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Pittsburgh and Milwaukee have been leading, leading that division all year. But Pittsburgh Pittsburgh's lost nine straight games. Milwaukee's been up and down. Milwaukee's actually scored the fewest runs in all of the National League. So, yeah, they, the Reds aren't going to have to play tremendously well to win that division. So, you know, who knows? They might sneak in. But this will be a fun series. I, I want to see some of these kids. I want to see how they perform in this kind of series against this kind of team. And, you know, the Braves are, they're they're not throwing their, you know, they're I think they're throwing A.J. smith um Friday and then Jared Schuster Saturday. So, you know, the Reds are going to get two rookies um the Braves had a chance to maybe throw Morton and Strider in this series but decided to opt against it and give Strider an extra day of rest so he's not going to pitch till Monday so it's going to be uh AJ and then uh Schuster and and Morton for the three-game series so yeah it'll be fun I I want to see this team up close and see how how good they really are
1: yeah and I mean if you're not familiar with De La Cruz which I don't know how you couldn't could not be familiar with him right now because I mean he was pretty hyped all season I think he's probably the consensus number one prospect and he's gotten off to a great start 144 weighted runs created plus a 923 OPS 0.7 F4 in 14 games I believe I saw he was the fastest player in major league baseball now uh, but you pointed yeah. to, you know you pointed this out in Slack the other night he's put up these insane numbers and it's just 14 games so it's a small sample but he's you know he's got a 30.6% strikeout rate and he's hitting the ball on the ground 67 percent of the time which is it's pretty wild you know to see these numbers i mean, a 536 uh slug you know and i mean if he starts elevating the ball in that ballpark with uh you know with these numbers i mean you know he's he, the sky's the limit for him i think you know he's been a shortstop in the minors i think he's been playing third pretty much exclusively for them uh but you know it'll be i kind of felt this way i guess last year when um the Braves played the Pirates and Ronald was on the field with O'Neill Cruz you know you just never know what's going to happen you you got that you know you got that opportunity that you might see something that you just don't don't see that much and I get that with De La Cruz too and I just love that they gave him number 44 because you know I grew up as a kid loving Eric Davis and watching Eric Davis and I see a lot of Ronald uh, Eric Davis in Ronald's game as well and 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 that's a lot of people have been talking about eric davis that uh didn't you know it hadn't in a long time just because of all the stolen bases and, and uh you know 30 30 seasons and a possible 40 40 season so you know this should be fun um and, and see you know just to see de la cruz and see how he performs
0: yeah and i, I was looking at his stuff just i, I just wanted to see you know what was kind of real and what was kind of fake about his numbers. And yeah, it has been a really weird start. You know, he's running like a 500, almost a 500 batting average on balls in play. So that's obviously going to make your numbers look a lot better. I, I think there's some, there's a mirage a little bit to some of this stuff. I'm, you know, he's got a 396 OBA, but his expected OBA is 283. So like 110 points below. So yeah, I, I don't think it's real quite yet. I don't think he's at his final version. He does remind me a lot of, um, of O'Neill Cruz for the Pirates. He's got that kind of same build. He's like, he's a big kid. He's like 6'3", I think, playing shortstops. So you know, I don't know if shortstop is, is long-term going to be his spot or maybe third, but just tooled, tooled up like crazy. I mean, speed, power, you know, uh, the Reds fans have, have, you know, obviously compared him to Ronald for that you know, for that one thing of, of having that speed-power combo. So, But he's got to put it together. He's striking out way too much, 31% strikeout rate and a 70% ground ball rate. Or, yeah, 70% ground ball rate is not going to work long term. So he's not a finished product yet, Um, much like O'Neill Cruz with the Pirates. You know, it's going to take a little time for him to get, you know, used to major league pitching and, and find his, his, his lane. But he's a super talent, and, and the Reds have got a few of them down in the minors the Reds have built a really strong system so you know that that team should be on the rise for the next few years
1: yeah and I mean we I got a lot of uh, replies today when I tweeted out the pitching matchups I think a lot of people were surprised that they you know opted to push Strider back to Monday I'm not terribly surprised because this is not a I know the Reds are hot and, and whatnot but the Braves had already skipped Schuster once and you know, when you look at – um and, you know, the Reds are hot, but they're, they're a central division team. They're not in the NL East. So, you know, I think the Braves are playing the long game there. I think it will be interesting to watch. I mean, you know, some of the – you know how Twitter is. I mean, some of the replies <laughs> were like just get ready, you know, for a, a, the Reds to score a ton of runs this weekend. But look at the guys they're running out there. I mean, Luke Weaver's got a 6.5 ERA and a 5.5 FIP. Ben Lively's got a four ERA, but a five FIP. So I mean, it's not like the Braves aren't going to score, shouldn't score some runs in this series too. You know, it should, it could be. You know, one of these games could end up being a um, a shootout. But you know, if we know anything about baseball, these things will probably be two to one games. You know, just because uh, yep. is because that's not what you're expecting. Uh, I do think there's a chance that Graham Ashcraft is going to come back and and pitch that Saturday game. The Reds haven't announced their starter there, but. He was. He has been terrible over the last. He got. He he. You know. He's had his moments. Like at the end of last year, started out this year good. Has been awful and went on the IL, I believe, with a calf injury. But I'm not real sure that that wasn't a little bit of a smoke screen just for him to kind of get reset. So, you know, it. I mean, I'm anxious to kind of see how uh, Smith shaver and Schuster, you know, perform here. I think Smith shaver obviously is the better um uh, the more intriguing guy I think you have to uh, shudder a little bit you know Schuster may give up a bunch of home runs there but you know at the same time I mean Spray's uh, team's been hitting home runs at a at a faster pace than any other team in the league so you know I think it'll be a fun series there may be a lot of runs scored but I'm really anxious to see smith Shaver, you know pitch against this lineup and, and this ballpark and just see what it looks like
0: yeah and they've got they got Joey Votto I think Joey Votto just came yes. back, like last lat the last series, and obviously they've got the kids, and you know they've got India, and they've you know they've got some decent players. Like you said, they they would Will Myers just because they've got you know they've got a, a nice crop of position players coming. Um, you know they they kind of have not quite to this level; they're probably a year away, but they do have a little bit of the 2018 Braves kind of vibe with all these young players. You know, and the established first baseman who's already on the team. You know, it, it is interesting. I, I don't think they quite have the pitching. I think that's going to hold them back. But that division is so bad that it might not matter. So, yeah, it'll be a fun series. It'll be a nice, you know, people will overreact to it. It's still just three games in the middle of June, so it's not going to matter that much. But, yeah, it'll be fun to watch.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, like you you mentioned, the central, the central division. Man, I want to see somebody just come out and say, we're going for it. You know, go get that whatever they need at the trade deadline and go for it because this, this division's winnable, you know. And I look at the Reds, teams like the Reds, the Pirates who have been, you know, the Pirates have been a great story, but they've, they've fallen on rough times uh, recently. Uh, but I want to see those teams that have been bad for, you know, the last few years, uh, the short season notwithstanding, you know, come out here and go for it. And don't just, you know, concede to the Milwaukee's and, uh, and the Cubs and, uh, and the Cardinals, you know, who are in last place right now. So, um, you know, I'm excited to see the Pirates of the Reds really go for it and say, hey, we're going we're, we're going to do everything we can uh, to get the help that these young kids need to get them to the postseason. I think that's going to wrap us up. I mean, you got anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here?
0: Nope. Braves have won eight in a row, which is obviously Put them at a uh, a season high. Uh, I think they're what twenty two games, twenty two games over five hundred. So, I looked this up yesterday. The Braves could play five hundred ball for the rest of the season, and like if they just played five hundred ball for the rest of the season, they'd, they'd already be at ninety two wins. So like that's what having this kind of streak in the middle of the year that's what it does. Is it just it 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 brings up your floor. So much that the Braves could, you know, play really average baseball for here to the rest of the season and still win ninety-two games, and stop it, probably still good enough to win the division. So, um, yeah, it's been a huge stretch of baseball, and like you said, it seems like June is kind of the month the Braves have kind of picked over the last few years to really make their move and 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 kind of cement their place in the division. and And to, this year has been no different. So it's been fun to watch, and obviously we've got we've got more coming up uh, over the next over this next weekend.
1: Yeah, and uh, before we go, I want to mention one thing. Uh, we haven't done a whole lot of talking about it yet, but the MLB draft is coming up on July ninth. Um, that'll be All Star Week as well. I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be insane. The Braves Ronald Acuna Jr. is gonna be starting All Star game. Uh, the Braves have six finalists in in phase two of the voting. But the MLB draft's been one of the big things that we've done on at Battery Power uh, for the last few uh, several years. Our draft coverage, I, I'll put it up against anybody's. That's gonna start kicking up uh tomorrow actually we're going to start running uh position by position previews and uh our our uh minor league editor garrett spain's got a good plan planned out there we're also going to do some podcasts we're going to have a preview podcast with uh garrett and a couple of guests and then we're still planning on the daily recap pods after each day of the draft those did really well last year if you you can't follow along all day we'll have a wrap up for you um shortly after uh the drafts com- each day's completed so you know be sure to check out the podcast network and stay on the uh, stay locked into the site because uh, it's going to get busy over here once we get through the draft and the and the all-star game, it'll be the trade deadline. So, you know, probably the busiest uh, busiest uh, few weeks of the year coming up for us uh, next. Uh, but I think that'll, that'll do us for this week, and uh, we'll talk to you guys again next week. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals.